You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Um, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 10, and particularly verse 10. If you've got a Bible, turn there, and um, we'll uh, look at these verses, particularly the verse number 10, and talk about what it means to, to please the Lord. And um, as we get going this morning, I'd like you to take just some time to think about how much of our lives we spend just finding out how to do various things. Uh, We can't avoid it. It fills our time. It occupies our minds. And here's a little example. We begin life finding out how to eat and walk and talk. And then we find out how to read, write, think, and learn. Soon we find out how to work a computer, graduate, get a job, and then we find out how to earn a living, find a spouse, raise our kids, and maybe put together some Ikea furniture along the way. And then we find out how to lose weight and stay in shape and avoid a heart attack. And then soon we find out how to manage an empty nest and retire. And finally, before it's all over, we're faced with the realities of finding out what it means for us to actually die. Finding out so many things. And when I look at my list and the one I've read to you this morning, sometimes I feel weary about all of that. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of finding out over the course of our lifetime. And then we who are Christ followers come to Ephesians chapter 5, and in verse number 10, we read the words of the Apostle Paul to these new Christians when he said, and find out what pleases the Lord. Can you say that with me? And find out what pleases the Lord. Now these New Testament Ephesians uh, were like most of us here in the room today. They had shifted their loyalties. They had transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And verse number 8 and 9 of Ephesians chapter 5 simply say, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. But sadly for you and me, particularly me, I find that I have consistently had the penchant to wander back into the dark places again. And uh, that's a challenge for us. And so one of the first rules of military strategy, I think, is that we have to understand who our enemy is. We need to do some intel and figure out who they are, where they are, what they do, so we know how to attack them. And when we get to the New Testament scriptures, I think we find three enemies whose job it is to see that somehow, after having come into the light, we wander back into the darkness and the shadows of sin again. Three enemies. Number one, I think, is the world, any system of thought without Christ at the center, a system that 
is deceptively so attractive. And we know in the world that we live in today, in a variety of fronts, we find the world's system superimposing a whole new set of values on people in our culture and sometimes even on people in the church. The world is an enemy. And uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 15 to 7 tell us, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So the system of the world pushes us back into the darkness again. And then secondly, it's the devil himself. God's most personal enemy, the villainous leader of fallen angels who is unalterably committed to opposing God at every turn. And you remember the words of Peter, chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. So there is a devil out there. We know that. And uh, many people in today's world, and we talked about Sri Lanka, uh, places like that, and places like perhaps China today, are consistently experiencing the onslaught of persecution that comes, of course, from the devil's hand. So there is the world, and there is the devil, but the third thing is the one that really gets me, and that's the flesh. The flesh. Uh, my inclinations to trust anyone but God for life, inclinations that are fueled by a deceived mind that thinks God is not good enough to trust. And the Apostle Paul, I know through his writings, experienced just that, his battle with the flesh, and he said to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 5 to 8, those uh, who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So the world, yes, I experience it every turn as you do. The superimposition of values that are new to us in our culture, that are shocking to us in our culture, that are brought to bear in our lives every day. Then the devil himself, that villainous leader who constantly, consistently attacks us and attempts to push us back into darkness. But it's flesh that bothers me. It's this inclination. It's the fact that I am so inclined as a human being, even though I'm redeemed by God's grace, to succumb to fleshly desires and allow my life to be moved back into the darkness again. Now, there are some... Um, strategies in the New Testament that um, the writers uh, roll out there about how we overcome this internal enemy of the flesh that honestly I found hard to understand over time. 
And you'll be familiar with a lot of these phrases, like from Romans, dying to sin, being released from the law, to serve in a new way of the Spirit, yielding ourselves as instruments of righteousness, not conforming to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then on to Galatians, living by the Spirit, and Colossians, putting to death whatever belongs to our earthly nature and clothing ourselves with virtue. Not a lot of words and a lot of ideas, and it's incumbent on us as Christ followers to work our way through all of those things and what they mean. And for me, I think they boil down to a couple of core ideas that I think are really important for us to understand this morning as we combat the enemies of the world, of the devil himself, and particularly of the flesh. Number one is this. First, we live out the gospel by killing an already defeated enemy. We live out the gospel by killing an already defeated enemy. Colossians chapter 2, I love these verses. Listen to what it says. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Wow, I love that. So when you think of all those enemies, we are never told to kill the world or to kill the devil. Uh, someday God will burn the world down as we know it, and he will lock up the devil. But God has told us to get on with the job of putting to death the enemy that is within us that carnal nature or our flesh, the enemy who is so much a part of who we are that sometimes we mistake him as even our friend. So my enemy is the flesh, that nature within me that is inclined to sin every day. And my task, and I think your task, is to live out the gospel by killing an already defeated enemy. We are conquerors through Christ who redeemed us by his precious blood. And how do we do that? I think we do it best. And here's the second core value, and that is simply this, that we surrender to the energy and to the prompting of the Holy Spirit within us. That simply means we say no to the flesh and we say yes to the Spirit. It means we live our lives to find out what pleases the Lord, our focus, our energy, our best efforts are, are focused on pleasing God. As Romans 8 says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I love that. So there it is. Um, the challenge for us is to find out what pleases the Lord. And we know in the rigors of daily life, we fight these battles. There is the world. There's the enemy of our soul. There is our flesh with the inclination to live in a way that doesn't please God. And so we're called today 
to build our lives in such a way. And I love the 30-day challenge. That is amazing. And I think this is a part of it, to build our lives in such a way that we can find ourselves pleasing the Lord at every moment, at every turn, and every way that we possibly can. And there's three levels, I think, that that is um, helpful, and that is like the layers of an onion that bring us to a place of wholeness. Three things. Let me tell you what they are. Number one, I think we need to please God in the choices that we make. The choices we make. What did Joshua say? Choose you what? This day, whom you will serve. There it is. Uh, but as for me and my house, he said, we will serve the Lord. So in choices, we have the ultimate choice to make, and that's about our salvation, where we come to a personal relationship with Christ, and we say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. That's it. And uh, I was thinking the other day about my own coming to Christ when I was in junior high school. Um, I had lived through several years where I had attempted to reject everything my parents represented, the church represented. I didn't want anything to do with that stuff. I'd gone to church all of my life, and I was done. And um, it was at a camp in the summer, Fraser Valley Pentecostal Bible Camp, and uh, my parents had taken me there. And on a Friday night, I was um, in the crowd, and, and Eunice Myers, anybody know the name Eunice Myers? She was a revivalist who traveled, yeah, the Eastmans are, they're the only people in the crowd that are old enough to remember Eunice Myers. And uh, remember Eunice and her accordion? Uh, if she were here today, she'd be marching across the platform of the accordion, singing and worshiping, just an amazing woman, full of the Spirit. And uh, so that night, Eunice spoke, and halfway through her message, she grabbed her accordion, as she often did, and she just started to worship and sing. And she said, now look, we're done preaching. I, I'm calling you all, come pray, come pray. So the crowd moved to the front, and I'm thinking, okay, now what do I do? So... But I'll slide up to the front a bit, and then when um, my parents see that I've gone there, and I've been there a little while, I'll just kind of sneak out the door and I'll be gone. So I went up to the front, went over to the corner, the side, into one of the old benches with the rails as a back, and was just sort of waiting there. And a guy came up behind that bench and slid a hymn book underneath it, and he said to me, young man, I sense that you're struggling tonight. Why don't you just take some time to read some of the words of these hymns? And he'd open the hymn book to the old rugged cross. Well, how do you fight that, you know, the old rugged cross? So there I am, and um, I'm looking at this book. And I would sung the old rugged cross a thousand times as a kid. I knew that, that song. And this time I started reading that hymn. <clears throat> on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. You know it, don't you? And the chorus came, So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till at last my trophies I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross. You know what? I got to about that point in the chorus and I absolutely broke emotionally. And uh, I think for about an hour, I knelt there and wept my way through to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It was amazing, amazing. 
and my life was so transformed that day. Unexpected, but just in a moments of time, I, I just committed my life to Jesus. So you know what? All these years, I've never looked back. I've never looked back. Made that ultimate choice to come to Christ. And you know, we need to, we need to make that decision. Without that, you're never going to get anywhere when it comes to fighting the enemies of the world or of Satan or of our flesh. We just need to make that ultimate choice of what it means to commit our lives to Jesus Christ. I was thinking the other day about um, a brother-in-law who lived in Windsor and actually loved the city of Detroit. It was just across the river. And so when we would visit there, often we'd go over to Detroit and I was riding with... My brother-in-law in his car one day, driving through Detroit, just the two of us, I'm not sure where we were going, but as we're driving along, he looked up into the hills, and he could see a house under construction. It was massive, I think at least 10, 12,000 square foot house, and uh, he said to me without thinking, he said, oh yeah, he said, that, that's the house that Tom Monahan is building. Now, Tom Monahan um, was the builder of Domino's Pizza, at that time he owned the Detroit Taggers, had all kinds of money, successful business person. He said, yeah, that's the house that Tom Mon Monaghan is building. And you know, that idiot found religion and he stopped building it. And it got very quiet in the car for a while and I knew the Bob was thinking, I forgot I'm sitting next to an evangelical Christian pastor person. And I was just silent, didn't say anything. But I learned later. And I did some checking that Tom Mon had, had come to a personal relationship with Jesus. And he was so convicted about building this massive house on the hills and the money it would take to build it, he stopped construction. That's what happens when we make that choice to determine that Jesus is not only our Savior, but he's the Lord of our lives. And it's not only the ultimate choice. We do that, or we have done that, but then we come, secondly, once that's settled, uh, there are so many subordinate choices we have to make where on a daily basis we're saying yes or no to the promptings of the Spirit and a whole variety of spheres of our lives. As Philippians 2 says, continue to work out your salvation. That's what we're doing. We're just working it out. And thankfully, we're not alone as we do that in a sense of fear or in the awe of the presence of God, sometimes even a little trembling because of how serious that is. Because as Paul goes on to say to the Philippians, for it is God who works in you who will and act in accordance to fulfill his good purpose. He will do it for us. And then we go to Titus chapter 2, and I, again, I love these verses. These are favorite of mine for sure where the writer says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. That's the ultimate choice. We receive the salvation that comes to all people. And it teaches us, verse 12, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. So we say no to a lot of stuff and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glorious God in great Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's what happens every day. Having made that ultimate choice as to who we will serve, now we start to walk the walk. 
we get into the journey and we make every day those subordinate choices and we say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and we say yes to self-control, upright, godly lives in this present age as we just wait and journey for the eventual return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have to make the choice. If you're going to please Jesus, you have to make the choice, the ultimate choice, and then as you move along, you make the subordinate choices and choices that are ultimately going to be honoring to him. And then secondly, uh, there's a, uh, the habits that we build. The choices we make and the habits that we build. Now, the habits are really nothing more than just a, a complex of practices whereby we do something so many times that we just generate an automatic response in our lives. We don't even think about it. We just do it. So when I get ready to retire at night, what's one of the last things I do? Well, it's brush my teeth. You don't have to ask me. You don't have to push me. You don't have to beg me. That's a habit of my life that has been entrenched for many, many years. Now, my wife wishes I'd do a better job of it, but I do do it. It's an automatic response in my life that is a habit that I have built without thinking, you know that it takes discipline and it takes practice to build good habits. Uh, we have three girls, all in their 40s now, but at one point they were little girls who became big girls. And uh, these little girls took piano, violin, and all these lessons over so many years. And we would tell them that that you've got to discipline yourself to learn the art of playing if, you go, if you're going, at, at some point, going to enjoy the capacity to be able to play that instrument. And um, I often told them about my experience, because when I was a young kid, I took piano lessons for a year, until one day I got there, and my teacher, Mrs. Spoonholtz, uh, in Medicine Hat, where I grew up, Mrs. Spoonholtz took the pencil, put a big mark through the page, and said, you're done, you're finished. I'm not teaching you anymore. You never practice, so you're finished. And I walked out of the house thinking to myself, thank you, Jesus. It's over. It's over. It's over. But you know what? When I see this guy up here playing the keyboards today, you know what I think? I wish I'd have stuck to it. I wish that a distance, because I went on to play the tuba, the trumpet, the saxophone, and I could do those things pretty well. That why couldn't have I played the piano? I could have been on the worship team today. You know, I didn't do it. And we coined a little phrase for our kids um, that we put up under the wall that simply said, discipline equals enjoyment. And that's what it is. When we discipline ourselves in whatever sphere of life we create capacity or the environment whereby we can move into a realm to enjoy the things that God has made available to us. But the, the tough thing here that we face is that flesh has a word in this too, in that the good in our life seems to take a lot of discipline, but the bad in our life is just really so easy to do. The Apostle Paul said, I, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I find myself doing the things that I actually hate. And that's what the reality could be. Some time ago, I talked to a uh, man in his 50s who said, you know, 
when I was in my 20s, I smoked. Heavy, heavy smoker. And he said, I'll never forget the day a Christian gentleman came to me and said, you know, if you would stop smoking today and every dollar you spend on cigarettes, you will invest. It will make such a difference in your life. And he said, you know what? That word to me was so powerful. It was the last day I ever smoked a cigarette. And he said, from that moment on, I took all of the money that I would have spent on buying cigarettes and I invested it. And he said, today, I'm an independently wealthy person. See, that's what it is. It's the choices we make. It's the habits that we build. As Paul said to young Timothy, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise, both for the present life and for the life that is to come. So it's, we please God in the choices we make. We please God in the habits that we build. And then thirdly, I think we please God in the life that we live. Jesus said, my food, or that which sustains me, my food, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Wow. I want to live that kind of life. Uh, I don't think anybody in the room would know the name Axie Benson. Axie Benson lived in the city of Edmonton, actually immigrated from Sweden many, many decades ago now, and actually went to be with the Lord um, in 1998 in her 98th year. 1998 in her 98th year. And um, she was one of the last pioneers of a church that we knew, a central Pentecostal tabernacle. Um, and I was actually the youth pastor at that church. That church became North Point Community Church when they relocated out of the downtown core of Edmonton up into the north, north part of Edmonton. But she was very much a part of that church for a long time. And she told me when she said, I was there when Pastor D.N. Buntain announced that he would be starting a Bible school. And back then... It was Northwest Bible Institute that has become today Vanguard College. And uh, for many years, actually, actually lived the history of not only church, but lived the history of the Bible College because it did start, I think, in 1946 and uh, has done so well over the years. And when she passed, we wondered, wow, who will replace her? She was such a prayer warrior had such a serving heart, such a very precious, special person and lover of Christ. Who will replace her? And I'll never forget uh, when her sister or her daughter, Noni, uh, chatted with me about um, Axie's passing. She said, you know, Jerry, um, you need to know that the last thing she did before she died was to write a check for Vanguard Bible College. He said, she went to her little desk, wrote up the check, laid on her bed, and passed. And I thought, wow. That's the kind of life that I would like to live. That's it. And I think Paul the Apostle put his finger on it when he said to the Romans, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, his good and pleasing and perfect will. That's the life that lives to please the Lord. And you know, life is pretty short, isn't it? I know when I was younger, young, that was tough for me to imagine that my life could be so short, but now, well, in April I turned 69, and I think, wow, where have the years gone? Life has slipped by for me, for Karen and I, for our family, so quickly. It seemed like just yesterday we were single and then married and then we had our girls and, you know, just so many things transpired and it seemed to go by so fast. And, and um, when we think about that, I think we realize how critical it is that we, that we engage the life of the day and we live in such a way that we really do please the Lord. Because the danger for us is that somehow we would prop the ladder of our life against the wall, we would climb the rungs, finding out so many things only to get to the top and look over and discover that somehow we climbed the wrong wall. The wrong wall. Now on the next slide, um, anybody know this guy? <laughs> Who doesn't know Wayne Gretzky? It's pretty amazing. Um, we followed his career over the years, and of course, if you live in Alberta, and particularly if you lived in the city of Edmonton, it's hard to avoid all of that. And uh, wow, I've admired what he's accomplished. Seems like such a fine guy. Never met him personally, but seen him from a distance, and have always admired his parents, uh, the way he was raised, so much about what he has represented. Um, but I remember watching... Gretzky on a sports program where he was interviewed and they talked about all of his accomplishments and what he had done and it was a response to all that was was and I'll never forget what he said here's what it is he said all I have I owe to the game of hockey all I have I owe to the game of hockey and while we celebrate his hockey victories, I don't think that's going to cut it for eternity when Wayne gets there, do you? Not going to cut it. And for you and I today, I think the cry needs to be, all I have, all I am, all I will be, all I will become, I owe to the living Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. And how thankful I am that we are not alone in our quest to please God as we make choices and we build habits in our lives and we just live in the spiritual journey. Everything that we need, he's provided for us. Peter says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So folks, let me tell you, when you leave the sanctuary today, and you leave the building today, and you go out into the world, you've got to remember this. Our charge 
Our call is to live our lives in such a way that we will bring pleasure to the heart of God. Very important. And we do that with the choices we're going to make today. The choices we're going to make. We're going to send that text this afternoon. That's a great choice. We're going to do it by the habits that we build in our lives that push us along the journey of a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to do it through the life that we live that in the end is going to kneel before our Savior and offer all we can bring. And he's going to say, ha, ha, ha. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your glory. Amen? Amen. So as you do all that, you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen, folks? You're going to be a nuisance to the devil. You know that. And that's what we need to do, too, as we please the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your anointing on this church. Thank you, Lord, for the people who come here, who call this home. Thank you, Lord, for leadership on a whole variety of capacities. And Lord, we just pray that as individuals and as a church, that at every turn, we will know what pleases your heart. And we will live that way to serve you, to honor you, to glorify you as the king and the prince of our lives. We commit ourselves to you in the name of Christ. And everybody said amen. 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 Pastor Mark, come. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.